Hi, everyone, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Future of Work Project. Just a quick disclaimer, this episode was recorded a few weeks back before the coronavirus outbreak. I wanted to mention this because you may hear us refer to travel or events that we attended around the time of recording. Rest assured, my family and I have been socially isolating for the past few weeks, and we hope everybody listening is staying safe as well. And with that said, please enjoy this episode of the Future of Work Project. The biggest challenge when you are your brand, when you are your business, is navigating the dance between showing up authentically and also showing up as an expert. You know, the way that you're showing up online is going and should be intentionally crafted to exude a certain message. But at the same time, I know so many people and I've had this this struggle as well of like, am I showing up authentically enough? Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Future of Work Project. My name is Derek Franco, and it is my great pleasure to introduce you to this program dedicated to bringing together smart and thoughtful leaders and innovators experimenting with new and unique ways of working. From remote work and culture to research into the peak performance of human beings, we'll learn alongside these experts pushing the boundaries today. It's my pleasure to introduce today's guest, Taylor Dixon. Taylor is a lifestyle and business coach based out of Austin, Texas, who works closely with a wide range of entrepreneurs. Through her programs and retreats, Taylor helps her clients align their business and themselves with their true passion to help build brands that scale in today's fast-paced world. During our discussion, Taylor and I discuss some of the difficulties that entrepreneurs she works with face and how she helps her clients take their business to the next level. We'll also take a deeper dive at how addressing burnout helped her pivot and rebrand her own business into one that allows her to help more and more people. And finally, we'll look closer at some of the challenges that come along with building an online business entirely through social media. And with that said, it is my great pleasure to welcome Taylor Dixon. Thank you for being here, Taylor. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. No, of course, of course, me too. Um, I, I know that you're extremely busy. Um, so, you know, thank you for taking the time to, you know, sit down with me. Um, you know, your business has been growing like crazy over the last couple of years. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, you you actually just finished up one of the, uh, the Quantum Leap retreats, correct? Yes, my 11th Quantum Leap retreat. In the wow. past uh, <laughs> eight months, actually. Oh, wow. And I, I actually think that would be a perfect place to kind of start the conversation and, you know, really kind of dive into, you know, what exactly are the Quantum Leap retreats and, uh, you know, how did you originally get started with them? Mm. So I'll start with the question, how did I originally get started with them and give you a little bit of background of what I've been doing in my work the past three years. Um, I started business coaching three years ago after running a social media agency for about three and a half years, but I started out doing kind of the typical business coaching model. I had group coaching programs. I had online courses, workshops, uh, private coaching, but it was all virtual. 
And so primarily I was spending my days on the computer. I was spending my days on Zoom calls, probably upwards of four or five Zoom calls a day when at the busiest days. And so I reached this point at the beginning of last summer where I was just burned out from it. I really thrive when I'm with people in person. I love being around just the energy, the essence of someone. Um, And so I decided, okay, something needs to shift. This business model is no longer working for me. And this is kind of a crazy story, but basically I went to an NLP training, getting my master level certification in neuro-linguistic programming and hypnosis. And I was in Toronto for three weeks mm-hmm. getting this certification. And during this program, that's when it really came to light that it just, it wasn't working for me. I was really getting burnout. And then I went to a breathwork workshop. When you go to a workshop like this, it's about 30 minutes to two hours of a certain kind of breathing. And there's a lot of different uh, breathwork techniques. And I'm not super familiar with all of them. Definitely not a breathwork expert by any means. Um, But it's been super powerful for me personally, because when you're in these workshops, you feel incredibly emotional. And it's like the floodgates are open. It's very common for people to start sobbing, for your hands to like clinch up, for your whole body to get tingly. You can feel the energy just pulsing in your whole body. Um, A lot of memories can get drug up from the past. And for me personally, during this period of time, I had this vision of working with clients one-on-one in a beautiful Airbnb and spending three to four days with them and basically taking them through my signature process, which includes a lot of lifestyle design, a lot of mindset support, uh, branding, business development. Those are kind of the core things that I offer. And I just so clearly saw that this is my future. This is the direction that I needed to be heading. Mm -hmm. And it felt so amazing. And I came out of that breathwork workshop and I was like, okay, let's do this. And that's something that I really consider to be one of my strengths. I'm very much an action taker. Like once I have the vision, it's, it's game over. And so I got out of that and that's when my quantum leap retreats were born. Is that the reason that you actually went to the workshop to get clarity or was it really to kind of get yourself out of this burnout state? Actually, neither. I thought it sounded fun. I was like, I haven't done a super long breathwork workshop before. And I was like, let's try it out. You know, my evenings were free when I was doing this training, but it just aligned so perfectly. It was exactly what I needed at that time. And then I actually launched them. Two days later, while I was at the retreat, I launched them on my social media channels and I offered a beta pricing, uh, a beta version, because obviously I hadn't done it before. Yeah. Um, and then I was able, I think I sold four or five of those right off the bat. And so then people could schedule them out uh, with me over the next several months. Um, and then I've been doing roughly about two a month 
since then. That's a good schedule to go on. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. In December and November, I took a little bit of a break, but it's been it's been crazy. I love it. I love it so much. That's amazing. And so, what exactly are these retreats? So. These retreats are really a business accelerator, first and foremost. They're for people who are about one to five years into owning their own business. And they've reached a point where things are just feeling really stagnant. They're feeling really creatively blocked. Um, they don't really know what their next direction is to be able to scale their business in a way that also gives them a lot of time to play and travel and actually enjoy their life. So that's kind of who, who it's for and that these retreats are really meant to manufacture a breakthrough experience. Gotcha. They're very intense. They're, they're fully loaded from start to stop. And the reason behind that, and I'll go into in a second, like what that looks like, but the reason behind that is that I find that when my nervous system is like on overdrive and I'm taking in so much information and I'm having all of these moments of clarity, I'm being asked really interesting questions, I'm being pushed and challenged, all of a sudden that's when my truth comes forward. Mm -hmm. And it's so clear exactly what I need to do next. The pressure produces the diamonds. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And so while I do have a general replicable structure that I use for these experiences, they are highly customized. The main thing that stays the same is day one mm -hmm. is based on the NLP breakthrough process. I don't know if you're familiar with NLP. Uh, a little bit, but I'd, I'd love to kind of dive a little further into it. Yeah. So NLP is pretty crazy and it, it's the type of thing that gets mixed reviews because you're able to really kind of manipulate the language of the mind. It's really just leading people through a series of techniques um, in order to really dive deep into the subconscious mind. So that's mm. what NLP is all about. It's about reprogramming the subconscious mind to better support your goals but there's this, this other side of NLP, which is what I use, which is an incredibly powerful healing modality. Or, and also something that I'm certified in, which is pretty congruent with that, is called time techniques. And with time techniques, you're actually able to clear the top five negative emotions from your subconscious mind. And so really it's the emotional charge behind those emotions. So anger, fear, sadness, um, guilt, you're able to, during this technique, we're actually able to lift that off so that people, after the technique, people always feel lighter. They feel more clear. They feel like more confident. Um, and a lot of the, a lot of the work that we do on that day one as well is about getting down to the root cause of why they're not showing up fully in their life. And it almost always comes, comes back to self-worth again and again and again, especially for women, we have a very deep collective wound around not feeling good enough. And I think that, I mean, it's obvious where that comes from. It's like hundreds and thousands of years of being told, no, you can't do this. You can't vote. You can't own property. 
And so now, like, because I work with women, I see so such a lack of confidence Mm -hmm. and such a deep rooted sense of unworthiness. And that's the biggest thing that I see holding female entrepreneurs back from raising their prices, from launching that offer that feels a little bit scary. Um, That's really what it comes down to. And that's what that first day of the quantum leap retreats are all about. And so that first day is really mindset heavy. And I'm able in these, in this structure, I'm able to really provide so many different angles of helping people to get clarity on what they're struggling with. Sometimes it's right there bubbling underneath the surface. And I find nine times out of 10, what people are really needing is to shift their identity, to shift the way that they see themselves. Because I talk a lot about like that next level CEO identity. And so when you're able to really figure out who that is, step into that person, then designing your next launch becomes so simple. It becomes so clear and deciding like what offers you want to create next, like all of those things become so much easier once you see yourself in a different light. So when people are coming into the retreats, are they coming in to really kind of try and get clarity on the next stage of their business? Are they trying to recover from a burnout state? I guess, what is usually the focus of an entrepreneur that is coming um, to one of these retreats? Mm -hmm. It's usually a slew of many things at one time. So first and foremost, they're feeling, they're feeling a little burnout. They're feeling stagnant. They're feeling like they don't know where to grow next. They also are usually, like I said, feeling very like dried up creatively um, and feeling a lack of confidence. Like maybe the last few things that they tried just like totally flopped or didn't go as they wanted it to. Um, And then also the last big thing is people usually come to me when they feel like they've outgrown what they've been building for the past one to five years. And so a lot of what I do on top of the, on top of the mindset work is also the, the business strategy piece. And that usually there's a rebrand process involved as well. And so people are feeling like, okay, I've had this brand for the past three years. I've been offering the same thing for the past three years and I'm really a different person now. Yeah. And I'm not inspired or excited about what I have been offering because I've evolved and it's time for my business to evolve with me. And it's important to know that I primarily work with solopreneur, service-based online uh, female entrepreneurs. So, you know, for most of them, their business is them. Yeah their brand and their business is them. There's not very much of a separation at all, which I think is a really cool. um, I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the future. But when you're feeling like you are your business and your business no longer fits you, it can cause people to really doubt themselves and to really doubt, like, why am I even doing this? Mm -hmm. This isn't fun anymore. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not looking forward to waking up in the morning and doing what I'm currently doing. 
No, and, and that's a great point. And I guess, how do you go about helping people kind of refine that confidence in themselves, especially when they're going into, just like you said, whether it's a rebranding or into a new space that they had never been in before. I mean, you know, we've all kind of been there where you feel kind of like that odd man out when you're trying to first get into something. How do you help them kind of find that confidence again um, to to do this rebranding? It's really a combination of figuring out what are those blocks that are being held in your subconscious mind. Yeah. And then also learning more about yourself so that you can understand a new brand direction or a new direction you want to go in your business. So for example, the one that I just did, the quantum leap retreat that I just led and day one, we realized that what she had created was in terms of her, her branding and her website and her business was primarily based on a fantasy version of herself. She had a photo shoot done in LA and she lives not in LA and the whole vibe was very like, live your best life, um, you know, make more money and travel the world. When really, she's a very kind of more reserved, sweet, um, really beautiful person, but she has a very calming effect on people. And she's been through a lot and she's healed through a lot of trauma in her life. Mm-hmm. And so during that first day, we realized like her superpower is to help people with their trauma. It's not necessarily to help them, you know, launch their business and travel the world footloose and fancy free. She's actually here for a much greater depth in the way that she can serve her clients. And she's a coach. And I think it was in her head, she was seeing other people doing it. Yep in that way. And so she was thinking, okay, this is what I need to do in order to be successful because I see these other people with this type of branding. And so that's what I need to do to be successful. And so a lot of that first day was breaking away from the shoulds. Like, where are you currently living in the should? Mm -hmm. Like I should do this. So people will like me. And so I will make money versus this is actually what I want to be doing. And so a lot of that first day touches on core desires. It touches on where in your life are you playing small? No, that's amazing. And there's a lot in there that I want to dive into. But the first question that comes to mind really is, what are some additional challenges that the female entrepreneurs that you work with face? So a really big thing that I see when working with female entrepreneurs is so many stories around money asking for money specifically, Um, which I think can be a challenge for anybody, but it seems to be particularly a challenge for women to show up on sales calls and say, yeah, this is what it costs to work with me Mm -hmm. or sending over a proposal and saying, this is, this is how much money this costs. And the other thing is the, the people pleasing tendency, (laughs) So people will, I can't tell you how many people I I will begin to work with. And first of all, they're totally undercharging, grossly undercharging for their work. Mm -hmm. Second of all, they're constantly giving out discounts. And that comes from that worthiness wound, right? It's like, I'm not quite sure of my worth. So 
if someone seems like they want a discount or if I can give someone a discount so they'll sign up for my thing, then I'm going to do it. So those, every, anything and everything around money mm-hmm. is, is a really big one for female entrepreneurs. And I think, again, it used to be that for women to be financially taken care of, they had to get married. They had to marry well. And so their primary objective was really creating that connection with people with a mate so that they would be able to secure their life. And now this is completely new territory. And it hasn't been that long that women have been owning their own businesses. Yeah. And so they're really struggling to own their worth and ask for money. Yeah. Well, and and not only that, but it's just like you said, you know, you have kind of this idea of, I mean, for lack of a better term, bullshit societal expectations that do affect kind of a person's mindset when they're going to try and start their business. Um, Really, you kind of learn not to give a shit and, you know, just kind of believe in yourself. And it's very interesting that, you know, that's kind of the crutch that you're seeing. Yeah. And another big one too, is the way that women work is very different than men. And of course I'm speaking in generalizations here, but if you think back to when we were hunters and gatherers, the men had a very singular focus. They went out and they hunted and they brought back the game to eat. For women, their job was to gather and also to take care of the children and to be with the community. So a lot of multitasking, right? And so now what we're seeing in the workplace is that women are expected and encouraged by society to be showing up like men in order to be successful. Mm -hmm. But our brains and our biology are wired completely differently. And so the same things around like productivity and time management that works super well for men are not necessarily going to be the best fit for women. They could be, again, I'm speaking in generalizations, but women are much more they're much better at multitasking a and B we also, it's very important for us to feel connected to our work. If we don't feel like there's some sort of like emotional investment, some sort of heart connection to our work. I've seen it time and time and time again, that people just don't show up for it. (laughs) Yeah, no. And that, and that's, that makes perfect sense. And I mean, you've seen it a lot more today. I mean, everybody kind of wants to be connected to their work and, you know, not just whether it's they're building a business or, you know, they, they have a job, they don't just want it to be a paycheck anymore. You know, it's, it has to be something that you really, truly believe in for someone to kind of be happy. Um, and, you know, one of the things that you kind of mentioned earlier that I really wanted to touch on as well um, was really just kind of the idea of the people that you're working with, you know, they are their brand what struggles do they kind of run into that others don't when, you know, they're kind of either branding a business or, um, you know, trying to create a brand around a product? Mm, That, oh my gosh, so many. I have lots of thoughts on this. I think the biggest, the biggest challenge when you are your brand, when you are your business is navigating the dance between showing up authentically and also showing up as an expert. Yeah. 
So, you know, the way that you're showing up online is going to be curated. It's going and should be intentionally crafted to um, exude a certain message and to entice people to buy from you. Like that's the whole point, right? But at the same time, I know so many people and I've had this, this struggle as well of like, am I showing up authentically enough? Yeah. Like, is this the real me? And um, so I think that's, that's a big thing when you are your brand. The other thing would be, the other big challenge that I see when you are your brand is that, like I mentioned earlier, as human beings, we're constantly changing and evolving. So it can feel really challenging to maintain consistency in your brand, which is so important for people to be able to get to know you and become invested in your brand. But if you're constantly changing and then all of a sudden you're like, I've outgrown this, I want to rebrand. And that can be a total, a total headache. Well, I guess, you know, kind of picking your brain, somebody comes in, they've built this brand up and they just decide, you know, this is no longer me. What, what steps could they take? to not only figure out, you know, what, what should my brand be, but also just start adapting, or I guess, should they adapt the brand that they've built into something else? Or should they kind of try and start something from scratch? I guess what, what is kind of a good way to look at it if somebody's in that position? So I am all about the evolution of the brand. I would pretty much never recommend to someone to start over again, because there's so many assets that are built uh, from the original brand. And what I would recommend and what I often work with people on is creating that really smooth transition from, Hey, this is what I was doing. This is who I was, and this is what I'm doing now. And what's cool about it is that a good rebrand, even something that's super simple can create tons of momentum in your business. Mm -hmm. And there's actually a way to do this that can generate a lot of income. It can generate a lot of buzz around your name and what you're doing. And the main thing is that you want to take your audience on the journey with you. So the more transparent and open and vulnerable that you can be with that process and really letting them in on the behind the scenes of what's going on, the more invested they're going to be. And people will totally come on the ride with you. If they already know, like, and trust you, it really, it's probably exciting for them that things yeah. are shifting for you. And that's exactly what I went through a bit of a rebrand this past summer when I was changing my business model. And I also wanted to bring in a little bit more like maturity to my brand um, and I did it in a way that really told the story and told, um, the why behind it. And my audience was super excited and my business really jumped to the next level then at that time. So it can be a really exciting process. Um, I would say first and foremost, though, if you are someone who's finding yourself in this position is to get clear on like what exactly feels out of alignment for you right now or out of integrity or just like is not working for you. Um, Cause it could just be a matter of like, for me, the biggest thing was I didn't want to be working the day to day in my business that I was. And I also wanted, I wanted more maturity in my brand. 
So those are the two big things. And it really wasn't this huge, oh, I have to you know, change my website. I have to change my brand colors. I have to change this, change that. It's it just about telling that story of, hey, guys, here's, what, here's where I'm at. No, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. And, you know, kind of extending from, you know, the the brand uh, kind of rabbit hole <laughs> that we were going down, because honestly, I, I could talk about that for, for hours. Um, I know, I, it just, too. it blows my mind how, you know, a simple product with the right branding can just become one of the biggest, you know, commodities or biggest booms at, totally. at a time. But one thing I really wanted to dive deeper into is really kind of social media in, in general, you know, people, it's a lot easier for people today to create a brand thanks to social media. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, they're doing it on Instagram, whether they're doing it on LinkedIn, they're, you know, a YouTuber. Um, I mean, there's a lot of ways for people to kind of get in front of an audience today, but I feel like there, there are a lot of benefits and a lot of negatives to, to social media and, you know, people can see them on an everyday basis, but when a good amount of your business and a good amount of your brand is living and breathing through these social media means. I mean, how do you manage the benefits and the negatives here? Mm. So the short answer to that is boundaries. And that is something that I've seen a lot of people struggle with who have a business like mine. I've struggled with this. There was a point in time in my business before I had boundaries where it'd be like 10 PM and I'm mm. sitting on my phone and I'm sitting next to my partner and I'm just like messaging people back on Instagram yep. <laughs> and in the DMS. Um, and then like stressing over posting all the time and all this stuff. And so there's definitely a dark side of being a content creator because you feel a lot of pressure to show up all the time. And there's this sense of like, if I don't show up, like my business is going to die. Like I'm not going to bring in money if I do not show up. And there is truth to that. If hmm. you want to build that level of trust with your audience, you have to show up and it has to be consistent. And you can find what works for you and you can find where your flow and your boundaries are. For me, I post to social media about three or four times a week. I don't post every day. Um, Every so often I'll do lives, live streams, um, and then also creating boundaries around, you know, at certain, at a certain time of the night, I am off of my phone, definitely off of social media and just really keeping business hours, uh, with that. I mean, really just a great way to kind of approach it. Um, and you know, I guess this is kind of a question that goes along kind of both lines is for someone that's kind of just getting started if they kind of have an idea on, you know, I want to build either, uh, whether it's, you know, I want to kind of try and build a brand in this space or, you know, I'm building a product and I need to kind of get a following. What is kind of the best way for someone to get started? Um, especially when it comes to like the social media side. So I'd say the very first thing is to get clear on yourself. And I'm a huge fan of the personal development world. I, like I said, I consider myself to be a very spiritual person. And I feel like one of the best things that I ever did for myself before getting into all of this personal branding stuff is that I got so incredibly clear on who I am, what's important to me, what my values are, 
um, how someone else would describe me, what my strengths are, uh, what my areas of growth are. So very first step, if I were to give like one actionable piece here would be start interviewing your friends and ask them how they would describe you to someone else if you were a fly on the wall. So let's say if, if you were a fly on the wall, how would you hear them describing you to someone else? Mm-hmm. And really paying attention to those key adjectives and what is it that people, how do people see you? What do people already think about you? Because that is something that you can take and then leverage when you're building your brand. No, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. And, you know, kind of, kind of extending from that, you know, things have been changing a lot over, you know, the last couple of years, especially when it comes to to social media, it's changing so frequently that it feels like, you know, something that was big two years ago is either just a completely moot point or, you know, just may not even be relevant anymore in, in a spot where, you know, you're building your brand in an online community. How do you continually adjust to all of these changes um, especially when your your business is really based around it? I think first and foremost, you have to fall in love with technology and social media, like really developing a passion for it. Like when I hear uh, something new that's changed on Instagram or a new feature, I get super excited and I want to try it out and I want to experiment. Um, so that's really important. And a lot, it's a big thing I see people struggle with too. Like they're just, they have this story around social media that it's difficult, that it's always changing, that it's hard to be heard. Um, so really changing the narrative that you have around it and changing, changing your relationship with it is super helpful. Um, and the other thing would be at the end of the day, yes, things are going to come and go. And there's going to be little tweaks here and there. But if you can just really find your flow, like what you are good at, what you love to do from a high level. So for example, if you're someone who loves videos, you love to create videos, it doesn't really matter if that looks like on TikTok or a Facebook Live or IGTV. At the end of the day, you're still just creating videos. Um, so that's the thing. That's what I would recommend to someone about in terms of that question is just like figure out what you really love and what you're good at and what you can be consistent with because sustainability is everything. You can create the best content strategy in the world, but if you're not going to show up for it and you're not going to do it, and especially as a solopreneur, you are doing a lot of things. And so if you are over committing yourself to social media, you're going to be stressed out. And then you're just going to completely drop off the bandwagon, which that's like the worst thing that you can do. Yeah. You know, especially today, you know, we, we live in, we live in a world that's always on. It's important to kind of have those boundaries um, and really kind of focus on taking care of one's just mental space. I mean, what can people do today in a world that's kind of always on and always connected to make sure that, you know, they're, they're not burning out or they're not pushing past those boundaries Um, you know, especially if they love it. I mean, I'm a workaholic. I I love what I do. I mean, how do we kind of put those boundaries in play and make it so that way we're not burning out in a world that's always connected? Mm -hmm. So this is exactly why I call myself a holistic business coach, because when I work with someone, 
they might be coming to me wanting to figure out how to make more money in their business. And what ends up happening is I take a look at their entire life. You know, how often are you playing? Yeah. How much time are you spending with your friends? How much mm -hmm. time are you spending with your significant other? Are you traveling? Are you trying new things? Do you have any hobbies? That's, I ask this question to entrepreneurs all the time. Do you have hobbies? And they say, well, like marketing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, that is not a hobby. Yep. <laughs> so then people are so shocked of how they have come to this point of burnout. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the discussions that I have with clients are, is around like, how do we create a more balanced, more well-rounded life for you? Because as you said, when you love it and it's your passion, it's very easy to just devote all of your time and energy. And for a while that can seem fine until all of a sudden you just crash, yeah. right? Like you have no, nothing left to give. And so that's the reason why really diversifying your time is so important because you have more to give in all areas, including your business. So for a lot of the clients that I work with, I will assign them tasks that are related to hobbies, that are related to trying new things, that are related to spending more time with their friends. And I would have to say that that is something that I really mastered. And I'm not saying that there aren't challenges within that, but I lead a extremely well-balanced life. Mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time with my community. I have lots of hobbies. Um, I'm very creative and always finding new ways to express myself. And then I also work hard in my business. Um, and time management is kind of like a different conversation, but part of the reason why I'm able to do a lot is because I've gotten really strategic with my time and mm -hmm. my business. But I know that if the, the minute I start prioritizing my pleasure and my play and my like highest excitement, that is when my business just starts booming right along with that. And it's when I find myself in those areas of like, okay, I'm only stressing about business. Yeah. That's when my business is also reflecting that. So yeah. this is a really important point here is that your business is a reflection of you. Your business is a reflection of what's going on on the inside. So if things aren't working in your business, it's probably because there's something not working inside of you. And oftentimes it's because people are not fulfilling their other needs. And health is another big one. I didn't mention that, yeah. but that's been one that I most easily fall into the trap of ignoring my health when things get busy in my business. And I've really worked on that. And now I just know that as much as getting on this call with you today, because I made the commitment was a non-negotiable taking care of my body and eating well and working out. That's also a, a business non-negotiable. And that's when I think things really start to shift for people is, is seeing your business and your life as so interconnected that you're saying, okay, when I do my morning routine in the morning, that actually is a business task. It's investing in your business by investing in yourself. Right. And when you're the one who's like the main person showing up in your business, 
of that it just makes sense, right? Mm. Like, of course, we need to nurture ourselves and maintain like our energy and maintain our balance because that's going to come out in everything that we do. And that energy is so palpable, especially for people who are getting on sales calls and trying to sell their services. You can feel someone's energy when you're on a call. You can sense if there's desperation. You can sense yeah. if you like haven't slept for days and you don't want to buy from that person. Great point. That's a great point. And I mean, it, honestly, you know, it comes back to, you know, kind of a conversation we were having right before the call where, you know, I was saying, you know, it had been a very busy, you know, five, six weeks for us, um, you know, just at our company when we were building this new product. And I think that that's one thing I, I definitely had to keep top of mind. Um, you know, if I look at 18 year old Derek versus 28 year old Derek, I mean that that's kind of the biggest differentiation was 18 year old Derek was just kind of like ordering as whatever food you could get late at night, you know, not sleeping and only sleeping when, you know, I actually need it. Like, you know, I could get three hours here because I've been up for 24 hours at that point versus, you know, now I looked at it where, okay, I've got a lot of stuff to do. I got to make sure I'm at least getting, you know, good sleep in. If I didn't, I get a nap in, I'm focusing on healthy food and it just completely changes the game because you're able to accomplish so much more. And I mean, it really is in the very end, there are light sprints that you have, but it's a marathon. Yeah. And this is a whole other conversation, but something else that I teach is really studying your energy cycles. Um, and specifically for women, a lot of our energy cycles are based on our, um, our actual cycles, our moon cycles. And so there's this whole other branch of like working around that and working with that. And it's all super, super interesting. And knowing that there are, there are seasons of life that are busier and that require more masculine energy. And so what do you mean by that term masculine energy? Mm, do we want to go down this? <laughs> this is like a Podcast. A high a high level would be great. I mean, you know, I, I've never yeah. used that term before. Uh, you know, I just kind of love to get into a little more detail about what that means. So when I refer to masculine and feminine energy, I'm not talking about sex. Um, masculine and feminine energy are things that every single person has. And it goes back to Chinese philosophy, yin and yang, yin being feminine, yang is the correct term being the masculine and masculine energy is your doing energy. It's all about action, results, focus, strength, um, where in structure mm-hmm. and systems, whereas your feminine energy is all about creativity and intuition and connection and flow and being it's your being energy. And this is, it's such a big topic and it's so valuable and it's so interesting. Um, and a lot of what I do with clients is helping them to balance their masculine and feminine, because I see a lot of people, a lot of women who are either very far over on the spectrum of the masculine, very unbalanced in their masculine. And so that's where you see a lot of adrenal fatigue. You see people totally burning themselves out. They're doing, doing, doing. They're pushing themselves past their breaking point. They're hustling. That's kind of like the hustle and grind mentality, right? 
And then on the other side of the spectrum, a lot of women come to me that have all the best ideas and they're so creative and they're just wanting to flow, whatever feels good in the moment. But they're not actually getting anything done. They're yeah. not getting mm-hmm. anything done. Like yep. not, none of those ideas are actually coming to fruition because they're so unbalanced and they're feminine. And so I have certain uh, exercises um, that I use to help people understand where they're at and how to bring, how to create more of an equilibrium. But more importantly, it's almost like adjusting the dials. Mm-hmm. It's like every day kind of self-regulating and understanding, okay, I'm feeling like creeping towards that edge of burnout. Like I've been sitting at my computer all day, very my masculine, or I've just been kind of airy fairy and haven't really gotten anything done. Probably need to turn up the dial a little bit of my masculine. Um, and then there's, there's so much that I teach on this, but at the very basic level of this is the first time you're hearing about this, but if you can take a day in your life and check in every hour and take note of like what kinds of things that you're doing. And then at the end of the day, categorizing them under masculine or feminine, and it'll give you a good sense of like where you're currently at. And if you continue to track that for a week, that's even better. So you can see your weekly cycle. Um, And then you would want to bring in some more feminine activities. So like even like dancing or um, setting up your environment in a certain way. Like I love to burn candles and have essential oils on my desk. I even have this like sparkly twirly thing that just is kind of fun. (laughs) Yeah, it just brings out Um, that creative juices. Right. Brings out the creative juices, even calling a friend. I consider that to be a very feminine thing. You know, you're connecting emotionally. Um, And then if you're feeling unbalanced in the feminine, you would then say, okay, maybe I should create a plan every morning for my day. Or maybe I should create a Trello board that's going to help me track this project that I'm doing right now. Um, so it's really about like bringing either more of the feminine or more of the masculine, depending on where you're at right now. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I think that is probably one of the best pieces of advice for sure for people is, um, you know, once you find that balance, it's almost like a superpower, uh, because you, you just, you do get a lot more done in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, this has been an amazing conversation. So thank you very much for taking the time. Um, you know, I, I can't wait for our, our next conversation cause I feel like we could go into probably another two or three hours with the, down the rabbit hole if we, if we yes. let it go. <laughs> we could talk about so much. I was like holding back in certain, at certain times. Cause like, oh, I could just really go down a rabbit hole there, but yep. I think we covered <laughs> some really amazing topics and I hope that it will be very helpful to your audience. Perfect. Well, thank you again for being here, Taylor. It was a great conversation. And uh, yeah, like I said, I cannot wait for our next one. Awesome. Bye, Derek. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Future of Work Project. Now, as with all of our work, this interview is part of our ongoing research, and I'd love to get your thoughts and feedback on the discussion. To weigh in, visit our website at fowproject.com or reach out on Instagram at thefowproject. We'll be sure to share the feedback on our social channels, and it could be featured in an upcoming episode. And with that said, thank you for listening.